We lost a few games. Tough. Now we're the Ducks. Yeah. And the Ducks yeah. are undefeated. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Quack. 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 All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Santos. I'm here with John Downing, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny, how you doing? I am good. How are you? Doing uh, very well. Watching the ALCS uh, Game 3 here with you. Looks like Houston's just about got it bagged up. Uh, three outs away from, uh, win. yeah, going up in the series, two games to one. So uh, they got to win the games that Verlander and Cole pitches. I mean, if you, I mean, they do that, there's four wins, you know, cause Verlander and Cole each pitch two games. So they win those games, they win four games and that's, that's a series and that's advanced the world series where they're likely going to play the Nationals who are up three games to none. On the St. Louis Cardinals. Man, what a story that is, huh? Unbelievable, yeah. What's your take there? What the, What has given them the magic this year to make it through? And I, do you think that they'll just, be able to make it all the way? Yes, I do. They've had something different going this year. I think it was, you know, the last few years, they've had the pressure with Bryce Harper and, you know, just having a lot of talent on the team. <clears throat> and, you know, they've won a lot of division titles over the years and, you know, been the one seed numerous times in the National League playoffs, and they never won a series. They always failed to advance, and they were always such a huge disappointment. And just this year, losing Harper in the offseason to the Phillies, um, I think that that lowered expectations on the team and lowered the pressure on the Nationals as a team. So they're just a little bit looser and let it flow? Yeah, but then they did get off to a really bad start. They started in their first 50 games, they were 19 and 31. And there was talk about firing the manager, Dave Martinez, but they they rallied and since the 50 game mark, uh including the playoffs, they now have the best record in the major leagues since. And they just they found something and they they, they play loose and they have that dance thing they do in the dugout and you know, when they trade for, you know, backup bench player, Harada, Harada Para, they call him Baby Shark. They didn't do the whole Baby Shark thing when he comes up to bat in the playoff, or, or all throughout the season. And he wears the glasses, and, you know, they, they've got their cute little dance thing in the dugout that they do. And they just seem to have a good um, charisma and unity, and they just have a good feel about them. And they were down three runs in the wild card game to the Brewers facing one of the nastiest pitchers in the game, lefty Josh Hader. And they come back to win that game, uh, the wild card game, and that was like uh, almost like an exorcism of sorts for the Nationals that they um, exercise the exercise their demons. They you know won a home playoff game and they advanced for the first time a- as a team, and then they go on and everyone knew there would be a tough matchup for the Dodgers, but they didn't. I think a lot of people didn't think they would win just because the Dodgers are a wagon themselves and they they did and they were even they were down late in game five three to one and then Kershaw comes in and gives up back-to-back home runs it's tied three to three and then it goes to extra innings and Howie Kendrick hits a go-ahead grand slam and they go on to beat the Dodgers in the first rounds uh seven to three in that game and then now they're just cruising they're cruising the pitching's all working you know Scherzer's pitching great Strasburg's unbelievable Corbin's good, the bullpen, Hudson, and Doolittle are good, and they're getting key hits at key moments, and they also have a swagger about them, as you see with Juan Soto every time he, every time he takes a pitch, he fucking, you know, grabs his nuts and shows the pitcher, (laughs) but yeah, they got, they have something this year. Bregman just took one to the spine, that looked like it hurt. Oh, really? Not sure by the expression on the pitcher's face if that was intentional or not. Uh, but they got two on with two out at the top of the ninth, and we'll see if... Uh... That's Johnny Lasagna pitching for the uh, Yankees. <laughs> Loy, Loy, Loy Saga is his name. We call him Johnny Lasagna. 
See if uh, they can't make anything out of it. Well, Johnny, since we're already here, before we get into our 37s for the day, uh, why don't you just give me a quick impression of what you see here between the Astros and the Yankees uh, three games into it? Well, I think that the Astros were lucky to get game two um, because I think the Yankees were the better team in the first two games in Houston. And, you know, they won game one, seven to nothing, beating up on Granky pretty good. And they got an unbelievable pitching performance from Tanaka. And that guy's been damn good for the Yankees over the years in the playoffs. And it's frustrating because, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I hate Tanaka. And it's just, I hate the way he pitches. And it feels like he should get smashed every time he pitches. But he's got that sinker ball that just drops off the table. And he was fooling guys with it. And then in Game 2, the Astros get to Paxton early, but the Yankees are able to battle back against Verlander. Verlander was good, but he wasn't his usual great. And then they hit go to extras, and uh, Correa was able to hit a walk-off bomb, and he did the ultimate pimp job for the home run, and he strolled around the basement and the bases and took his shirt off. And, you know, that was a lot of swagger shown by Correa, and I think it just kind of shows that the Astros do have a good amount of fight in them, and they came out tonight, and they were aggressive early, uh, and going into Yankee Stadium, where two years ago in the championship series, they got bullied around big time. They lost all three games at Yankee Stadium, and the fans really gave them a hard time playing there, and I think this time they were intent on not getting bullied in Yankee Stadium. And, they, of course, coming with Dick Garrett Cole pitching helps a lot because he doesn't allow jack shit as far as runs go. But It's been re- really <clears throat> fun watching all these uh, former Pirates pitchers Absolutely. in the postseason. And so in the first inning, Altuve gets the thing party started with a solo home run. In the second inning, Reddick hits a absolute monster shot off of Severino, and they were up 2 nothing and rolling early, and now it's 4-1 to headed into the bottom of the ninth. So it looks like the Astros are going to be up two games to one. Uh, tomorrow's game looks like it's going to be a washout, rain out, and so I think game four will likely be Friday? No, Thursday, sorry. Game five, Friday, and then game six and seven will be back in Houston uh, Saturday and Sunday. You think it'll go seven? I, I do. I okay. kind of do. Yep, and then and in which case Garrett Cole would pitch game seven in Houston to go to the World Series. So I love you got to feel good about that. But, so, you know, Verlander just went game two. Cole went game three. So, I'm not sure what the Astros' plan is for game four. And then, you know, they would have Granky for game five, who hasn't been great in the playoffs. So, yeah, I do think it'll go seven. All right. Coming into episode number 37, I only had one player on my mind, and I was actually a little worried that um, it'd be the same player as you, Johnny. I got breaking news. Uh Uh-oh. Jaguars cornerback. Jalen Ramsey is in the process of being traded to the L.A. Rams. Wow. Situation resolved and a big addition to L.A. Holy shit. Wow. That's big news. That is big news. That is breaking news. You heard it here, if you're, here, heard it here first if you're live. <laughs> <laughs> Which we are most certainly not because I will be editing this tonight and posting no. it tomorrow. Absolutely. But yeah, that's that's big news. Now we know why they traded Marcus Peters today to the Ravens because they were clearing that cornerback slot for Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> I'm just glad he didn't go to the Chiefs, personally. Yeah. So, okay. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, it's quite all right. Uh, I went with Patrice Bergeron uh, for my number 37, uh, part of the best line in hockey right now for my money. Just the the consummate professional. Uh, he wears the A, but in a lot of ways he is the captain of that team. Uh, not to take anything away from Big Z, but Big Z's the captain though. I understand that, but okay. But he no, I hear you. He's he is just such a, a pillar of that team. Uh, if Big Z weren't there, and when in pro, I don't know, he should have been retired three <laughs> years ago. Uh, Big Z is gone. Uh, it's going to be, there's not going to be even a second's moment wasted uh, crowning him the next captain of the Bruins. He has won the Selkie uh, trophy four times, uh, tying him with Bob Ganey for the most wins of the trophy in NHL history. Widely considered by all of his peers to be the uh, premier two way uh, forward in the game. 
I, I can't say enough good things about this guy. He is a two-time uh, Olympic champ. Uh, he's won the World Juniors. Of course, being being a part of those uh, famous Canadian national hockey teams in the same uh, year as Sidney Crosby and you know all those uh, those crazy juniors teams. He's been to the Stanley Cup three times, won it once. Uh, John, you wanna you wanna help? Oh, he had the uh, the uh, game winning goal uh, against Vancouver in in the first period of Game Seven. Huge uh, huge thing for him. John, you got anything to say for your boy Patrice? Ryan O'Reilly abused him in the Stanley Cup. <laughs> and that's all I've got that's to say. That's all I've about got to that. say about that. No. <laughs> no, of course I love Patrice Bergeron, but Ryan O'Reilly seems to have always had his number going back to the Buffalo days, and he sure did in the Stanley Cup. And, you know, I'd, whether he, he plays through a lot of injuries, I get that, but. They come at inopportune times, so hopefully one of these years he can stay healthy all the way through and uh, deliver another cup. Definitely one of the most, I think, underrated players in the game For uh, sure. at the moment. Hold on, let's pull up his stats. Well, the stats don't do him justice, though. His stats are never going to overwhelm you the way you would think. Well, in 1,034 games played, he has 322 goals, 496 assists for 818 points, a plus-minus of 180. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, Johnny. No, it's not. It's not. I get that. Wow. All right, back to Jalen Ramsey real quick. You want to guess what the Rams gave up for him? <laughs> take, a, take, a, take a guess about what they gave up. What the package it would take to get the best cornerback in the league? Um, Second-tier player and a first-round pick? No, it's just picks. Uh, tell me the pick package. A 1, 3, and a 5. Higher. More. No. More. No. More. No, I've, right, I here we go. I'm just going to, because it doesn't make for a great show, making someone guess, but I'll, so I'll just tell you what it is. The Rams have acquired Jalen Ramsey from the Jaguars for... First round picks in 2020 and 2021. Oh my god. Plus a fourth round pick in 2021. So two firsts and a fourth. Two firsts? The, their next two firsts. Their next two first round picks. So they don't have a first round pick now for three years. Oh my god. That is giving it up. That is giving it up. And how do you think Jalen Ramsey's going to be in L.A.? He's gonna be fucking driving Ferraris and having his dick all out all on the uh, in Beverly Hills. Man, I'm just kind of like I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean that's a lot to give up, man. The Jaguars were the whole time they said to themselves they that's what they wanted. Everyone was like, "You're crazy. You're never gonna get that. You're never gonna get two first round picks." So good luck with all that. Well, there you go. And they held on, and they waited, and they waited, and they waited, and uh, the Rams became desperate. They're three and three, and they're like, "We're doing it." Well, Johnny, fifteen minutes in, we got to get you on to your number thirty-seven. Jeez, I'm blown away by this. Uh, okay. By the way, big ups to Patrice Bergeron. Patrice. Okay, my number thirty-seven is last night's star pitcher for the Nationals, Stephen James Strasburg, born July twentieth, nineteen eighty-eight. He was the uh, first overall pick in the 2009 Major League Baseball draft, and then he made his debut the following year for the Nationals in 2010, in which he struck out 15 Major League major Leaguers in his first appearance, which is pretty incredible. He has a win-loss record of 112 and 58, a career ERA of 3.17 with 1,695 strikeouts. He's a three-time All-Star um, and he's just been lights out as far as the playoffs go. I remember when the Nationals first were getting good with Strasburg and Harper in 2012, and they made the playoffs with a top seed, and they elected not to pitch Strasburg because they were babying him. And that was a big, you know, story for debate, was that why are they not letting... He reached his innings limit for the year, and they shut him down. I'm like, why are they babying this guy? You know, you only have so many chances. And it seems like the Nationals paid for that decision of thinking, oh, we'll be here in the playoffs every single year. You know, let's save Strasburg. But 
now the curse is lifted and they've been winning this year and he's a huge part of it and he, now his postseason numbers are as good as anyone's when you when you tally him all up and then his season that he put together this year was phenomenal as well he might win the Cy Young award he was 18 and 6 with a 3.32 ERA finished second in the AL in strikeouts with in the NL was in strikeouts with 251 in the wild card game against the Brewers he pitched three scoreless innings in relief of Max Scherzer earning the win as the Nationals came back to beat the Brewers 4-3. And then in Game 2, uh, again, in the NL Division Series against the Dodgers, he was the winning starter with a 4-2 win where he only gave up one run and struck out 10. Strasburg also pitched in the deciding game of beating the, the Dodgers in Game 5 of the NLDS. He went six innings and allowed three runs in a no decision, a game the Nationals eventually won 7-3. And then he pitched last night, and he was electric, striking out 10 and allowing no runs to the Cardinals, putting the Nationals up three games to none and on the brink of the World Series. So that is my number 37. Oh, also, he went to San Diego State, and he was coached by none other than Hall of Famer Tony Gwynn while he was at San Diego State as a pitcher. Uh, so that is my number 37 for the week, Steven Strasburg. Um, a couple things I just wanted to note from Sports Abroad. Ronaldo uh, scored his 700th career goal, uh, making him the highest, well, I, th- I believe he was already the highest goal scorer, but the only active player to have 700 goals. Uh, so congratulations to him. Pretty cool. Puts him in pretty elite company alongside Diego Maradona. What are you doing with that remote control? This remote is kind of sticky. (laughs) It's an older remote. Sounds like you're fucking... Sticky from the tape. Strangling a tape. Sounds like you're strangling a a sex doll. Push the buttons. My God. And also on the international front, uh, Simone Biles uh, becoming the most decorated gymnast in world championship history. Uh, after earning her 25th medal Sunday in Germany. That's awesome, and congratulations to her. Now let's get into NFL football. The week that was. Johnny. The refs own the week. The refs own the week. It was absolutely... What a shit show last night was. Unfucking believable did you watch that Lions Packers game last night? Did you see those calls? How horrendous it was! I did. What, it wasn't two, just those calls. It was the pass interference. It was the too many men on the field. It was just absolute utter nonsense. And if you come away from watching that game thinking that the game isn't fixed, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's just. I mean, clearly, if you're just a regular sports fan, you watched that game last night. You're waking. You woke up today being like, "Boy, the NFL is fucking rigged, huh?" Yeah, the Trey Flowers penalties, I mean, for those to come nearly back-to-back on... Huge moments, too. Crucial plays, yeah. Almost a third down in which the Packers were going to have to punt the ball, and then they go on to score a touchdown. And then the other one, you know, was on a third down as well. Mm -hmm. And it was with 145 remaining in the game, and the Packers were going to have to kick about, I don't know, a 38- or 39-yard field goal. And that would have given the Packers a one-point lead, 23-22. But it would have given the Lions a minute and 45 seconds or a minute and 40 seconds to come back and hit a winning field goal of their own. And we all know watching football that a minute and 45 seconds is a lifetime. Is a lifetime. And to you know, get another 30, 40 yards down the field, and Prater likely would have done it. So it really cost them the game. And I thought that the Lions were the better team in that game. They were more the deserving team in that game. But... They got they screwed. They held the play. And one thing I I find interesting, if you look at, um, was it InsidePenalties.com or NFLPenalties.com, the Packers have been the biggest beneficiary as far as penalty yards go on the season with over 500 yards in additional yardage gained from penalties. And the Lions are the least helped as far as penalties go with only around 200 yards. Well, did it take in a... Did it take into account that game? Because they got particularly screwed. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> that's a big difference. 300 yards and penalties only six weeks in. That's an extra 50 yards a game that the Packers seem to be getting. Yeah, I mean, I I, I have a hard time looking too much into those stats. Yeah, I don't think it's the team. Exa- I, just, I just thought it was odd, but I don't think it's the team. It, it's just that the referees... It, I just think that there's... 
something, some shenanigans going on. And the game the day before, the big game was the the uh, was the, the Cowboys at the Jets. And in the final, most crucial drive of the between the Cowboys and the Jets, there were penalties called on six consecutive plays. Now you're yeah. trying to watch a product here. I mean, your entertainment dollar is important. I think there know, is because there's only so much entertainment dollars for each person to go around, and if you're gonna choose football, you don't want to be pissed off by it unless like it's your team letting you down. You don't want the referees pissing you off. You don't want to be watching a shitty product because you can take your entertainment dollars elsewhere. elsewhere. Right. And I just think the NFL is. I mean, there's more penalties this year being called now. So there's an average of 18 penalties a game being called now this year, and average yardage is over 125 yards in penalties a game, and that is up from 10 years ago. It was only 12 penalties a game and 95 yards a game. So that is a huge increase in just 10 years' time in penalties. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, it's tough to watch too, and and there's increased review, and then you know they have they have. You know, Al Riveron, back in New York, he should be able to help them not fuck this up so bad. But even things that you you think are going to get... Um, I think he's busy cutting his toenails. <laughs> okay. I don't know what he's doing, but he's not watching the games. Yeah. Right? They, they tell us that he's there in the command center in New York every week, every game. They tell you Al Riveron's in the command center. What the fuck is he doing? What is he doing? Fucking shit up. Because uh, these pass interference, the pass interference penalty calls it have been terrible. None of them have been overturned. And none of them. It's like over twenty seven. And some of them look pretty questionable. And and why are they calling things ticky tack if you have this this thing where if it is obvious and you and the and the ability for review is possible, why aren't you erring on the side of letting the play go? Because if there is anything that you miss, then it'll get taken care of in that. You know, you, you can fix it in post. Kind of like how we put this podcast together. Right. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just mind-blowing. And it's wrecking the flow of the game. You want to sit down on a Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night, whatever the fuck it is. You want to watch a football game. But you don't want to be sitting there talking about the referees during the game, after the game, the next day, or a week after the game. Because that's fucking annoying. It gets old real quick. One game here or there, fine. I get it. But when it's multiple games stacked on top of each other where we're just talking about the referees and goddamn it, the fucking referees and what are we going to do about the referees? Last year it cost the Saints Super Bowl. You know what it did for the Lions yesterday? The Lions would have been in first place had they won that game yesterday. Instead, they're in last place. That's how tight the NFC North division is by losing that game. And we're talking about people's jobs. Like Matt Patricia could lose his job if they finished in last place this year. And instead, they would have been in first place with a win over the Packers, and that's like a tiebreaker. You know what I mean? And yeah. now the Packers pull ahead and they have a good lead in the division. I mean, a game they should not have won. Yeah, it it really felt throughout the whole game that the Lions were the better team. And it's a shame that you always as an athlete say I'm not going to let the ref beat you. But there's a there is right. a there's a line there. There's some there's it's more there's more to the matter this year. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. Well, um, that was one of our contested picks, Johnny. You had chosen Detroit to cover the uh, four and a half spread, and I thought Aaron Rodgers was going to pull it out, and technically he did. So technically I won, but I feel terrible. No, I won, I got the plus four and a half. Oh Win. right, right. Win. You're right. I'm when? so bad at this. You are. It's all right. We're, you're learning. <laughs> I was nervous because the Packers were... So the Lions got to the point after the penalty call, and they were, Jamal Williams was... They, they were going to rush the ball to wind the clock down to, before they kicked the field goal, and Jamal Williams got the handoff and started to run into the end zone because the Lions were like, yes, let's allow him to score the touchdown. That way we have some time to score and, yeah. and come back. And so the Football Lions, first guy. The Lions parted the sea, and Jamal Williams was like running into the end zone and went down at the one-yard line. But if he had gone into the end zone, then the Packers would have covered. Son of a bitch. So, but it, as it happens, he goes down at the one, and then the Packers end up kneeling and kicking the field goal, winning by one. But the, the <laughs> Lions come through again. 
covering the plus four and a half at Green Bay, which is something they usually do. Okay. Well, good for you, Johnny. We'll take it back to the beginning of the week. New York Giants at the New England Patriots with the Patriots giving up 16 and a half. Uh, they covered it easily. Patriots are just an awful team, huh? They are a tough watch this year. They just they're brutal. Fourteen to thirty-five. Yeah, they're brutal. Uh, you wouldn't you you would think that the Patriots aren't that good by listening to the sports talk around here, but I get it. The offense did stumble and bumble in the game and struggle to get it going. But okay. at the end of the day, Tom Brady was twenty-eight of thirty-eight for three hundred and thirty-eight yards, and yes, he ran in two touchdowns, but he could have easily thrown for the touchdown. So. All right, so Johnny says that, but at 9.09 p.m. Thursday night, I get a text from one John Downing that says, and I quote, Patriots offense is hashtag not good. AB wasn't a luxury. He was a necessity. Somebody <laughs> must have stole my phone that night. <laughs> so I'm calling shenanigans there. All right, moving along to the London game. Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, let's make it quick and easy. Christian McCaffrey is really good. Uh, Kyle Allen is good. Cam Newton's not getting his job back. Jameis Winston sucks, and uh, he's in danger of losing his job. There you go. Panthers win. All right, Panthers win, and you also get another win, Johnny. Good for you. Uh, Next, we had our next contested pick, Seattle heading into Cleveland. Uh, You had chosen Seattle. Uh, It was a pick-em game, uh, one-and-a-half we all thought the line was a little weird, but you went with the smart money picking Seattle. I went with the square money, and the square money won. I, right. That was not a sharp pick. I, 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 last week I mentioned it on the podcast, too. It wasn't a sharp pick. The smart money was on Cleveland. Um, but Seattle came through because Cleveland is dumb, and Freddie Kittens can't coach his way out of a fucking paper bag. He's like the fucking high school janitor coaching your f- pro football team. Okay. Heading into the next pick, uh, contested pick, Houston at Kansas City with Kansas City giving up four and a half. Uh, you picked Houston and they came through for you, thirty-one to twenty-four. Is there trouble in Mahomesland? Uh, yes, there is. Yeah, I think, like we mentioned last week, Belichick and the Patriots laid out the game plan blueprint on how to beat the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game last year, and the Colts followed it last week, and the Texans did it again this week, and if you can control the ball by either running it or a short passing game, which is the Texans did a lot more short passing this week, um, and keep Mahomes off the field, which, you know, is easier said than done, and then also play man coverage on his receivers, and keep Mahomes inside the tackles and don't let him run around outside... You got a recipe for success, and the Chiefs are not that good as a football team. And I think I mentioned last week about the dissension in the Chiefs locker room. Now there's articles coming out about how the Chiefs need to help Mahomes out. Mahomes deserves better than this. So they're basically calling out the rest of the Chiefs players saying Mahomes deserves better than this. And last week, Travis Kelsey was seen on the sideline pushing offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy on the sideline. Now, they say that they kissed and made up, but what is the reason for that, you know? There's some explosive personalities, and I think that there's some of the Chiefs players are tired of it being the Mahomes show. Yeah, well, Kelsey's and, also got uh, pretty notorious for having a temper. Yeah, but, you know, how, how if you're an NFL player, how long does do you go before, you know, everything that your team does well goes to one guy, all the, all one guy gets all the credit, and if your team does anything bad, you know, you guys get killed because you're not helping that one guy out. And I think that there's dissension in the locker room. That's I'm calling that there's problems in Kansas City. And two straight losses at home kind of shows that. And they should have lost the week before at Detroit, too, mm-hmm. when there was a missed pass interference call on in the final play. And mm-hmm. they didn't call it. Once again, Detroit gets screwed a couple weeks ago. But they played better than Kansas City that week. Detroit had that game won at home against Kansas City. So, ideally, Kansas City should be looking at three straight losses. But, unfortunately, it's just two straight home losses. And... As far as the battle goes for home field advantage, Patriots are in the driver's seat now. A quick game of for real or not for real, Deshaun Watson. Oh, he's for real. He's for real. And that offensive line getting better is a scary proposition. They might be the second best team in the AFC. Okay. You heard it here first. Uh, The loser bowl up next, Washington at Miami. And 
God damn it. If you didn't call it right on the head. Nobody Ma- wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Washington winds up winning by one. Yeah. And so Miami, did you see the final play? Miami scored a touchdown, and instead of going for the tie and going into overtime, they tried to go for two. And it was a replica of the play that the Patriots ran in Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons to Danny Amendola as a two-point conversion. Uh, Brian Flores, the old Patriots defense coordinator, copied that play. He said that they practiced it all week, but it sure didn't look like it when it came down to it because it looked like a horrible play. It failed miserably. Um, never never stood a chance. And Washington escapes with the victory, and Miami gets to keep its secured uh, no-win season going and their tank for two a season going strong. Toot, toot. All right. And then next up, uh, Philadelphia. I think I, I, I think I screwed this up, didn't I? Because I changed to Minnesota later in the week, but I think I had Philly early in the week. You did have Philly early in the week. Yeah. Take you. So you were pitching a shutout until now. Yeah, I know. But but I really got it right because I changed my pick later in the week. Doesn't help you. Yeah. <laughs> Philadelphia heading into Minnesota. Minnesota uh, giving up three points, but man. Philly's secondary sucks. And Cousins looked like a man who had something to prove. Yeah, well, uh, Zach Brown, linebacker for the Eagles, called him out, said Cousins is their their biggest issue, their number one problem, and Cousins looked good, and Diggs reemergence. Diggs ended up scoring Well, three he was downs. feeding Diggs because Diggs yeah. got upset about yep, so Cousins sucking Thielen, up to Thielen. Thielen got the work, work the week before and the two touchdowns, and this week Diggs got the three touchdowns. But the biggest issue I take out of this game is that the Eagles secondary is a fucking mess. And, you know, you can throw on them. And that's the reason why I changed my pick and liked it later in the week because – you know, Minnesota at home, kind of in the 1 p.m. slot, that's a good spot for Minnesota to be. And, you know, if a team can pass on you, which we weren't really sure that Minnesota would do that. I think that was the question. But once I kind of figured out that they would, I liked Minnesota. So, sorry about that. Didn't get that right at the time. Well, where it really counts, in our personal pool, that's, where, I where right you are there. now... Or where you continue to be ahead, but now have gained on me the second placer. You're in second place. <laughs> I'm now? in second place. Look at you. You're learning quick. I like I'm doing, it. I'm doing. I'm okay. teaching you. I'm doing okay. You're making fun of me a couple of weeks ago. The inconceivable, but I have a theory here. <laughs> uh, but you are four points ahead, and that's um, it's not insurmountable, but. I'm gaining steam, I feel like. Yeah, I'm definitely feeling I feel like I've hit that. my sweet spot. <laughs> okay, speaking of hitting their sweet spot, New Orleans at Jacksonville, with uh, Jacksonville being favored by a point and a half. This was a contested pick for us. And, Johnny, you pulled it away again. The uh, New Orleans Saints won 13-6. to um, Yeah, so I really didn't watch much of this game, to be honest with you. So I really don't have any valuable input. From this game, aside from the fact that the Saints are now 4-0 without Drew Brees. Again, is Drew Brees a system quarterback? Mm-hmm. And, it, and what is this? Uh, Jacksonville has now lost three in a row with Gardner Minshew? I think it's two in a row. But three, to- three total? Three total, though, yeah. They've lost three, one, one with Gardner Minshew, so... Two. He has, he has two wins. Okay. Well, fucking A. So hard, hard to tell from that sample size. They're he didn't not have a, a good game. A terribly good team. But the Saints D is good. Yeah. So, what do you take? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Tough to tell. Uh, so we'll just move right into the next contested pick: Cincinnati at Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore giving up eleven and a half, and you picked Cincinnati. So good for you. Uh, Cincinnati lost seventeen to twenty-three. Yeah, Cincinnati is. Uh... They, no matter what what you want to say about them as a team, they suck. They have no wins. Um, they're all banged up with no AJ Green, no John Ross um, at receiver. But either way, they always play the Ravens tough. It's just one of those things. It's like the Lions always play the Packers tough. These division games where they don't like each other, they always play them tough. So that's all I have to say about that. San Francisco heading into the Los Angeles Rams, the new home of Jalen Ramsey. Uh, the Rams were given up three and a half. You had picked them. However, San Francisco won yeah. twenty to seven. Fuck that one up. The hell happened there? 
Uh, San Fran is for real, and Jared Goff is not playing well under pressure at all. Um, whenever he gets pressure in his face, he's becoming a mess. He had a horrible game fantasy-wise, real season-wise, just uh, a bad game for Jared Goff, and he's starting to stack up bad games consecutively. However, the anecdote is coming this coming week because he gets to play against the Atlanta Falcons. Who, the antidote. The yeah. antidote. Because An- <laughs> anecdote? Antidote. Anecdote. Anecdote is a story. Antidote. Antidote. All right. <laughs> the antidote <laughs> is coming this week. The Falcons, who do not sack anybody and have basically quit on their coach, quit on the season, and they make every single quarterback look like they are the greatest quarterback on the face of the earth, is coming this coming weekend. So if the Rams don't put up a great show this weekend, then you know you have some serious issues with Goff and the Rams' offense. Again, they didn't have Todd Gurley, um, but that's still no excuse because they still have plenty of weapons on offense. Um, But I get it. The Rams' offensive line is bruised and battered and injured, and they just lost another guy. Not nosebleed, but something like that. I forget his name. Um, It's something like Joe Nosebleed or something. Nosebud, nosebleed. Anyway, another offensive lineman that they've lost. I have a question. Is Jared Goff the new Blake Bortles? No, I think he's better than that. I do. But I just think he needs, okay, he's kind of like a baby who needs his binky. He needs a safe zone. He needs a safe He needs a safe area. You know, he needs a nice clean pocket. He needs the weapons all around him. He needs his daddy, you know, singing lullabies to him while he's going to sleep. You know, he needs he needs perfect conditions to thrive. Without hmm. perfect conditions, golf struggles, right? Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah. Although he, although you know, I will say this: he was pretty damn good in the NFC Championship game at the Saints in the second half last year. He impressed me big time, and so that will always be in my mind. But other than that moment where he shined, it's kind of been this. He needs daddy singing a lullaby while he's trying to go to sleep. He needs the perfect comfort and cool conditions around him to thrive. But this week, he should he's going to get that. I mean, Gurley's supposed to be back at running back this week. He's going to have he's going to have um, Cooper Cup and Woods and uh, Brandon Cooks, and he's going against Atlanta, who doesn't sack anyone, who doesn't cover anyone. So God forbid he hasn't put up thirty points this week. Something's wrong. So. Um, yeah, play your Rams. Okay. Uh, next up, we have Atlanta going into Arizona with Arizona getting two and a half points. And uh, Arizona beating just, God, the the Falcons have to feel so demoralized at this point. Yeah, Quinn's got to go soon at some point. So we, we wrote here, uh, if Atlanta loses, Quinn's fired. He, and he wasn't. He's still, he's still holding... Holding out. He's still got the job. Um, so, I mean, the, the, I, I, so the Falcons tied it up late in this game with a minute and 53 to go. Matt Ryan had a touchdown pass to Devontae Freeman and made the score 34-33. Um, the Cardinals, and then Matt Bryant goes on to miss the point after try that would have tied the game. And so if you want to take some blame, you blame the kicker this week. But eventually, all the blame has got to be put on Dan Quinn because the... Look at the fucking stats the opposing quarterbacks are throwing up against the Falcons. And they don't get they don't get to the quarterback at all. Kyler Murray, rookie quarterback, 27-37, 340 yards and three touchdowns. Quarterback rating of a 128.2. I mean, and, and quarterbacks that aren't even Pro Bowl quarterbacks are doing this every week to the Falcons. and It's been a steady decline since the third quarter... Of the Super Bowl game. Yeah, you're right. It is just like and since since um they peaked two since, quarters too early. And since offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan went to go coach the San Francisco 49ers, the offense hasn't been the same. Mm-hmm. You know they brought uh, Turd Cutter back to coach the offense from Tampa Bay, and he doesn't run the ball at all. And so teams know that that Matt, it's just going to be the Matt Ryan passing show, and Atlanta's not going to play their defense. So it's. Turk Cutter. I call him Turd Cutter. I love it. <laughs> okay. Uh, next we have Tennessee going into Denver. With Denver 
Uh, giving up two and a half points wasn't an issue, though, because Tennessee couldn't put any points on the board, and they got smoked 16 nothing. And uh, are we saying bye-bye to Marcus Mariota? The era of Mariota, all done? He got benched, and then they brought in Ryan Tannehill, who wasn't any better. And this was the immovable force against the, uh, what, is they, what do they say? The immovable force against the something object? It's Be- the immovable object. It's a... Um, the immovable force against the unstoppable object. The unstoppable force against the immovable object. Whatever. We know what we're talking about. <laughs> All right. So what we had here was a team in the Denver Broncos. Also, another team that gets zero fucking pressure on and on the quarterbacks, which is a... Stunning development from the Broncos that we've known in past years that have Von Miller. Yeah. Um, so they don't get pressure of the quarterback, but Mariota has taken at least four sacks in every game this year. So it was <laughs> like, who's going to win out here? Will the Broncos get their sacks, or will Mariota be clean in the pocket? What do you think happened? Neither. No, Mariota got sacked four times. <laughs> <laughs> and he got benched. <laughs> Oh, what's happening in this baseball game? It looks like the Cardinals are just going, getting beaten into submission in the first inning. Two to nothing, bases loaded, one out, Robles at the plate, and Cardinals are in big, big, big trouble here. All right, back to football. Okay, another contested pick of the week. Dallas at the New York Jets with the Jets getting seven. It even went up to eight and a half as the week went on. And I'm like, what are you fuckers, crazy? You know what, Johnny? I finally won one. Wait, I have the Cowboys in this? Yeah. Oh, man. I'm I, sorry. I liked the Jets later in the week. Big time. <laughs> well, I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Man. Oh, my. Did you see this play? I'm sorry. We're watching this game, and that was horrendous. The three Cardinals, there was a pop-up to right field, and the three Cardinals, the bases were loaded for the Nationals, and pop-up to right field, and the first baseman, the second baseman, and the right fielder all converged and just let the ball fall. Yep. And here come more runs. Who's got it? Who's got it? Who's got it? No Eh, one. Nobody. I don't want it. You want it? Nope. I'm good. They're just laying down and taking it at this point. They are. Just forfeit. Go home. Uh, baseball's not one of those sports either where getting too much rest is a bad thing. I, maybe it could be in this case. I was thinking about that too because the Nationals I know in, are feeling it right now. They I know are in, feeling it. I know in hockey that, that sometimes if you I heard the Bruins last year when they swept the Hurricanes. It did. I remember they had to have a scrimmage and Marshan hurt his hand and he wasn't the same in the playoffs. Here we go. More runs. More runs. Wow. This is a fucking shellacking. Four nothing in the f- five. Five nothing five at nothing. the bottom of the first. With one out. Oh my god, this is ugly. Yikes. So no, I remember it was a problem for the Bruins. They had to have that scrimmage on a Thursday night where they inv- invited the fans, and then Barshan had to skate off with an injured hand. He took a, a puck to the hand, and then he wasn't the same in the Stanley Cup Finals. And you know the Bruins kind of got pushed around in that series as well. So there's Baby Shark. <laughs> Anyway, I think the Nationals are feeling themselves so well right now. They are playing like a well-oiled machine. The pitching is on fire. They're hitting the ball in clutch moments. I think that a week off could be trouble for them. Well, speaking of a well-oiled machine, tell me about the New York Jets. Uh, Sammy D is back. Off of that mono shit. Yep. His spleen is back to normal size, and he was firing bullets and... Yes, there was a ton of penalties. Uh, the Cowboys. How about the Cowboys coming off the field not shaking Garrett's hand? Yeah. You see, Garrett was trying to give everyone, uh, you know. Dapgate 2.0. Dapgate 2.0. And they were all just like, fuck out of here, coach. Fuck out of here, coach. Well, that's not a good sign. That's, that can't be good. It's bad. So the 3 0 Cowboys. Jerry's got to fire him, right? It's the first thing I text him. He's got to have picks of him fucking a goat. Or, uh, Garrett's got to have picks of Jerry Jones fucking a goat. That's what they said about Marvin Lewis. Eventually it took. <laughs> there was the expiration date on those picks. I don't know, man. God. Something's up because this was the same Jerry Jones, his first year as owner. He came in and he, what his first job was, his first thing that he did was to fire Hall of Fame coach, legendary coach Tom Landry. Boom. Cowboy hat, you're out of here. 
And then he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to get rid of Jimmy Johnson after he had Jimmy Johnson had won a Super Bowl, two Super Bowls, you know, and brings in Barry Switzer. And now he said, Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett there for over what almost 10, 10 years now. I think. I think it's ten years. And the mediocrity just continues. They've only won two playoff games. Uh, they underperform every year. This year they are built to go to the Super Bowl. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise because they Jerry Jones. Spent the money on Ezekiel Elliott and all the other players on the team. He's doling out the money, saying, basically saying, this is a Super Bowl contending team, and this is what I think of this team. He spent the money on it. So if it's not the players, and you have the players you believe in, and you're paying them, then it's got to be the coach's fault. And he's got to go. Yeah. Unless he has pictures of you fucking a goat. <laughs> he has pictures of him fucking Tom Brady? <laughs> those would qualify <laughs> okay um, before we get into because we already talked about the Monday night game we led with that because how could you not it was such a travesty to, to behold and it's so fresh in our minds so before we get to the final uh, game of the week that was take a little wah, wah trip to the clip of the week enjoy that goes about as good as you could have expected um, yeah, uh, you take away the interception, definitely. Um, I'm just so proud of the guys, got, got a big win, and uh, it's, it's nice to, to get a win my first start, and uh, couldn't have done it without the guys in the locker room. How much of those early turnovers make your job easier? Oh, it's, it's, I mean, when the de- anytime the defense scores first, I mean, it's just, it takes the pressure off us, uh, makes us feel more comfortable, and um, yeah, like you say, I mean, the pressure, it just goes away. Um, I, I was probably just giving giving the guys the idea of the play we're gonna do. I mean, we already knew we already knew the play, but I was just kind of reminding them. And uh, I mean, I think I might have mentioned that you know this this might be a home game all day, so we we might have to tell the crowd to settle down a little bit. So I, I don't know exactly, but I think that's it. I guess the one thing you could say, take away from this game is that Steelers fans, just uh, they travel so well, and, and it's amazing. And the first deep ball to Juju, was that back shoulder or underthrow? Uh, no, that was, that was underthrow. That was on me. Uh, I mean, Juju did a great, great route, and uh, I just, I don't know, I, I was a little, little anxious and, and didn't give him the best ball. After that, you didn't have an incompletion in the first half. What was kind of clicking there for you? Um, I mean, honestly, just – they they were dropping out of there and we were just hitting the checkdowns and I mean James Conner just having a great night. Uh, I mean anytime you can check the ball down and get ten or fifteen yards almost every time that's huge. Were you, did you get totally the locked in on the game throughout or did was there a moment or two during where you were appreciating what was going on? Um, I mean I mean, yeah, I was locked in the whole game. Uh I mean I think at the same time, you know, just being locked in in the game I mean, I, I'm appreciating the fact that I'm there playing. That's why, I, like, each play, I give it my all. I mean, do, do whatever it takes to win, and we got the job done. Did you get the game ball, Devlin? Yeah, I think me and uh, James Conner got one. Artie Burns got one. There's a couple handed out. So, uh, I mean, the game ball, I mean, it's awesome, but uh, couldn't have done it without the guys. Uh, the, the win the win means a lot more than, than the game ball. All right, Johnny, and we're back. Just in the time it took to play that clip, Adam Rain- Wainwright's given up. More runs. It's now seven nothing. The party is on in DC tonight. Ugh. Capital is going, gonna be lit. <laughs> it's gonna be lit. This is the first time they're going to the World Series, man. They're going to the fucking World Series, the Nationals. That's incredible. All right. This choking dog of a franchise has finally—they've done it. They're going to the World Series. That's the see. Look at them all. They're doing their dance in the clubhouse. The fucking crowd is going nuts. Cool place. Cool. Cool place to be, D.C. tonight. Awesome. Well, cool place to be for Steelers fans last Sunday was in L.A. <laughs> That's for sure. Where the Pittsburgh Steelers had a home game on the West Coast. So embarrassing for the Chargers. Feel for them. You could hear the Here We Go Steelers chants through the TV. It was unreal. And he said that, yeah, you could... Tell, yeah, telling tell. tell the crowd to be quiet <laughs> in an opposing stadium. <laughs> and even Keenan Allen tweeted afterwards the Chargers receiver was like just embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. Have you ever seen anything like that before? No, it's weird. It's fucking weird. That would happen for the Steelers, though. Best traveling team in sports. Packers, too. Yeah, that's and true. Packers travel like insane crowds, too. 
It's those, uh, those like, um, I always call Pittsburgh the, the gateway to the Midwest, if you will. It's the kind of place you want to leave. But you take your football team. The Lions you. don't travel well. <laughs> the Bears don't travel that well. They travel okay. Yeah, but they put the, like... I'd say the Steelers and the Packers are the teams that... They, their fans get on the move. Yeah, it's true. The well, Bengals don't travel well. So <laughs> The Browns don't travel well. I will say this, though, about the Steelers. It's not necessarily that the Steelers travel well. It's just that there's a bunch of people from Pittsburgh everywhere else. Yeah. You know? Great game, man. Pittsburgh defense is hashtag for real. Yeah, I told you they were good. Devin Bush is hashtag fucking awesome. Picking up that fumble and and diving in for the touchdown, like this kid is nuts. It's it, it feels like I'm watching Steelers football again, John. Imagine and, if they had beaten, they won. The, imagine if Juju doesn't fumble a week before against the Ravens. I know, I You're know. You're looking at a first place team. I know. I d- real good. I, I did notice that he feeling didn't get any good. meaningful targets. One for seven. Oof. Yeah. If you drafted Juju early in fantasy this year, what a huge disappointment he's been. And it's my boy too. I'm gonna stick by him, but it's it's been tough going for him. I mean, you're you're Steelers are about defense right now, which is probably a good thing for the team. Steelers are about defense right so, now. Connor so, got banged up though. Oh, he did. Yeah, he left. Yeah, he but, left early with an injury. But going, going. I think T.J. Watt was all, didn't finish the game. Joe Hayden didn't finish the game. I yeah, think they were up big. They were. We were up big, and we we're looking at a bye week, and it's. Uh, I think we'll be okay. I think it's going to be... Yeah, they're on little, a bye this week. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. A little precautionary. Didn't want anything to get worse. No need, no need so, to push it. things are looking up for the Steelers. But on the flip side... I mean, the fucking Chargers, man. Is, over the years, has there been a more disappointing, underwhelming team? I mean, in the NFL, maybe there is, but... You know, the Chargers just seem to, every time they're close to putting it all together and having one of those teams that you think is going to compete, shit just falls apart for them. And I get it. Their home stadium sucks, and that's got to be really annoying. Next year, they'll be moved into a good stadium, but, you know. They had Derwin James, rookie defensive rookie of the year. If you're a sponsor for that, if you're a sponsor for that stadium, does... The showing that the Chargers fan base made this week make you anxious about your investment? Have you seen what the stadium looks like? Yeah, but is it going to bring Chargers fans in there, or is it going to bring... I think it's just going to fill. Bring anybody yeah, in. The yeah, fuck it, who cares? Money's money. The NFL Disneyland. Doesn't, doesn't matter if it's black and gold money, or... Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like to take a trip out there. It's going to be amazing. But you, yeah, you're right. You got to see a little bit of it, didn't you? Or no, that no, you got to see the Vegas the stadium. Vegas stadium that was being built. Yeah, so. And that's yeah. going to be awesome as well. Yes, it will be. Anyway, yeah, so Chargers. Yeah. Cross them off the list. The headline for them is the run defense is hashtag non-existent. Not good, yeah. Not good. And then ever since Melvin Gordon's come back, they're not throwing the ball to Keenan Allen, which is bizarre. Rivers is starting to look his age a little bit. The defense. The, so, and then the thing about the Chargers' defense last year was that they were fast and could cover well, and they always played a lot in the their nickel and dime sub-packages. But then the Well, Patriots, granted, they didn't have Ingram either. Yeah, and then... And, and, and Ingram and, Bo, and Bosa are not big in, interior linemen. They're more of the lean interior linemen and I think that they've been exposed as a team you can run on and you can run on and control the game with the run type against that team and the Steelers did that Steelers figured it out they did it and um, it looked like Steelers and they bottled up Keenan Allen which is something the Steelers have always had trouble doing in game Keenan Allen's always put up huge games against the the Steelers and not in this game he didn't he had two or three catches so good job on them yeah, it felt felt like a like I was watching Steelers football again. So heavy defense, run the football. Amen. All right. Okay. Uh, now we're gonna move into the week 
That is to come. This is a good week of games, too. Week 7's a good week. Enjoy this week's games, week 7, as long as the refs don't fuck it up, because the following week, week 8, is back to a pretty shitty slate. So That's hilarious, because last week you said 7 was going to be weak. Uh, if I did, then I'm kind of wrong, because some <laughs> of the games are good. Wow, so I humble think. of you. Yeah, so... I guess not. It's, it's not great, but some of the game's pretty good. <laughs> okay, well, let's get right into it. Uh, Kansas City looking for redemption, uh, heading into the Mile High City with Denver getting three points. What do you see happening, John? Taking Denver. Oh, we may have to start off with a contested pick here. I got I gotta think Kansas City is gonna fi- figure out a way to pull out of this nosedive. Moving along to the Los Angeles Rams going into the ATL with Atlanta giving, uh, getting, excuse me, uh, three points. All right. We bet the house a few weeks ago on the Rams at Cleveland. Uh, bet the house part two. Rams minus three at the Falcons. Take the Rams. How is the line that low? I don't know. Because the Rams have lost three in a row. Yeah, but they're not a bad team. No. And now they just got... Jalen Ramsey, the team's going to be fired up. Goff's going to, like I said, Goff's going to be in his comfort zone, not getting any pressure, so he's going to be able to do whatever he wants in a dome. All right, guys, bet your house. Bet the house part two. And make sure to uh, to tag at Green Mountain Grinder when you do it. Uh, next we have Miami going to Buffalo. And does it feel okay that Buffalo would be giving up 17 points to anyone? No, Buffalo's 4-1. and one. When did they become a minus 17 type team? <laughs> I guess it just says more about the state of the Dolphins. Um, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go with the Dolphins. My, no, the Bills minus 17. I'm going to go with it. And I feel like there's a reason there's the line's that high. They're probably going to win, what, 27-7? Might shut him out. Maybe shut him out. I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go... Because, yeah, I'll go with it. Bills, I have 17. You know, I got burned contesting on Miami last week, so... Okay. <laughs> Jacksonville, heading into Cincinnati, with Cincinnati getting three and a half points. Yeah, I'm going the home team here. Cincinnati, plus three and a half. Home dogs. Home dogs, Cincinnati, 1 p.m. All right, I'm going to hop on uh, my overhyped quarterback redemption tour and contest this one. I think Gardner Minshew and his magnificent mustache are going to pull this one out. Okay. Uh, Next up. Minnesota at Detroit with Detroit uh, only getting a point. Detroit's got a victim of circumstance here, I think. Um Losing their last two games in a manner which they can't be very happy with. I say they come out with their head on fire and stomp the shit out of a team that has been, frankly, resurging. But I'm not sure they have the full strength to make it all the way through. I'll go Lions, plus one. Talk me into that. It's a a tricky one, but I'll do it. Alrighty. Oakland at Green Bay with Green Bay giving up six points. Uh, I'm going to go Oakland plus six. Quick sidebar here. Do you think that um, this is going to be one of those games where Oakland ultimately loses? But I think it's Oakland like will a, have the lead and Green Bay will come back and score late to win, but won't cover. Fair enough. Yep. Houston heading into Indianapolis with Jacoby Brissett and the boys. Uh, giving up one point. Uh, Houston, plus one. Arizona heading to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Giants, who are going to be giving up three points. Johnny, can Arizona finally catch a little really... Well, they, I guess they won against Atlanta. Yeah, they caught a break. The kicker missed the extra point to tie it at the end. Uh, yeah, the Cardinals are on the upswing, and the Giants are should have, will have a Saquon Barkley back this week. And... Uh, yeah, I'll go Giants minus three here, I think. Yeah, I think I'll go Giants minus three. Saquon, this will be the first game that Daniel Jones and Saquon are playing. Well, I guess they did play together 
at Tampa, but Saquon left with an injury. So, hopefully they can play their first full game together. San Francisco heading into Washington with Washington getting 10 points. That's a tough one. Washington plus 10. San Francisco wins. Oh, yeah. San Fran wins. I just think that... They keep it close enough. They keep it closer, yeah. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and contest this as well. I think uh, Jimmy G is going to... Blow up that ass in the capital. Everybody's going to be watching the Nationals, so they're not not going to get a lot of love and support from uh, from the home team there. No, they don't get a lot of love and support. Yeah, the Washington racists. Yeah. It's another t- tricky one coming up. The L.A. Chargers going to Tennessee. Um, I'll go the Chargers plus two. And then New Orleans heading into the Windy City. Chicago giving up three points. This line seems bizarre. Um, I, I'm going to go with it. I'm going to go Chicago minus three. I feel like the Saints are the better team here, but Chicago's coming off a bye, so the Saints have been traveling a lot. They had to go to Jacksonville last week, now to Chicago this week. Not an easy place to play outdoors. If the defense can get after Teddy Bridgewater, make him hurry up a little bit, and um, then I, I could see it happening. So I am curious if Trubisky will be back this week. Um, but the line is bizarre to me, so I'm going to go Chicago minus three. I'm going to contest this and take New Orleans. Not, not a bad contest. Okay, thank you very much. Baltimore going into Seattle. With Seattle giving up three and a half points. Yeah, I'll go Seattle here, minus three and a half. I think uh, Russell Wilson will want to show Lamar Jackson who the real dual-threat quarterback in the NFL is. A a little bit of a who's your daddy moment? Yeah. Excellent. And uh, Baltimore's secondary got a little worse. Absolutely. Who was the guy? Marcus Peters. Hmm. I mean, as far as cover skills go... He's good, but he can be had and irritated and keep targeting him, and he'll give you. And he uh, won't. He doesn't tackle either, so you can run at him. You can run at him all day, so they could run at him. You know, with Carson and get him to take us a, a silly pi. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, on the deep ball. Excitable, excitable <laughs> one, Marcus Peters. Okay, I don't know why the Ravens would trade for him. I just it, he doesn't seem to fit their profile of tough defensive players who want to get their nose in there and be physical and, you know, aggressive. That's They've always been the Ravens' M.O., and to bring a player like Marcus Peters in seems to fly in the face of that. Hmm. So, I don't know. I'm happy about it. I, I feel good about it, too. I like it, too. As Rachel's fan, good. You want to weaken the Ravens' strength? Let's do that. <laughs> Speaking of weakened strength... We have the Philadelphia Eagles going into the Dallas Cowboys. Based on the no handshakes last week and the way that the Cowboys have just flat out looked to the past few weeks, I, I got to go Eagles here. And their coach said yesterday that they're going to go into Dallas and win this week. So he was like guaranteeing a win. So Doug Peterson guarantees it. I'll say uh, Philly plus three. All right. And I, I just... By virtue of the numbers, I have to contest this pick, and I think I've been predicting it for a couple <laughs> a couple weeks now, but Dallas has to have a comeback game. Sunday Night Football. Yeah, not a bad choice. Okay. And then finally, Monday Night Football, New England going to the New York Jets with the Jets getting 10 points. Jets plus 10. Jets plus 10? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, well, I, again, we knew this. I feel this good go- about this one, too. We knew this going in. I, I'm i going to contest that, and I think New England just blows the fucking doors off. Uh, you know, I, ha- I hate putting my money there, but. I don't feel great about this week, aside from the Bet Your House game part two, which is the Rams. And, uh, uh yeah, I don't. I, I feel I'm a little concerned about. We this also week. have the loser bowl part two with Arizona at New York Giants. Yeah. 
yeah, there's some tricky, tricky spots this week. It could go either way. So, we'll okay. See. Well, sounds good. Uh, Johnny, we did a good time keeping this to a reasonably uh, Efficient. length podcast. We got right through it. So, Chris Pie 5 for you, sir. All right. Well, uh, you can find us on Instagram at GreenMTSports. You can find Johnny on Twitter at GreenMTGrinder. Uh, make sure to uh, comment and like and share and rate and whatever it is. Interact with our social medias and our podcastings. And we thank you so much for listening. Have a good week. <laughs>